0: Hey, this is Chris, and thanks for listening to the China on Podcast. We want to hear from you, so we implemented a system, and it's called Pod Inbox. So if you want to leave us a message, give us some feedback, or interact with us directly, go to www.podinbox.com slash China So, um, yeah. What do you think? You want to, uh, you want to roll into it?
1: Yeah, sure. Let's do it.
0: Cool. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, Glad um, be here. yeah, if, if you don't mind, can you, uh, can you give everybody, well, first off, if you can tell them who you are and then, uh, tell them a little bit about, uh, pod inbox and what you're doing. And, and then maybe we could talk about, kind of what got you here, maybe some of the the past, you know, jobs and uh, startups that you were doing. And then uh, I kind of want to talk to you about where this thing goes and uh, some of this creator economy stuff that you've been talking about. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's start there if you're all right with that.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, my name is Pat Chung. Um, we met each other at a conference. What is it? About a month ago now. I feel yeah. like it's getting close. Uh, it was a podcasters conference, so I was there because I had a booth there um, where we launched Pod Inbox, and I'm the founder and uh, CEO of Pod Inbox, and it's basically a uh, just a pretty simple tool for podcasters to use to get audio messages from fans. So it's an um, online platform. Uh, we just make it really easy for fans to go to a website that uh, the podcaster uh, sets up a page. And uh, the fan could just uh, click a button to leave an audio message. And uh, it's like a very social thing. So it's not just like voicemail. It's kind of like we're kind of, I guess, trying to destroy vo- voicemail on some level. Uh, voicemail is very kind of one-to-one. It's very private. Uh, so this is just more social where you could, view, uh, I guess, not view other messages, but listen to other messages and kind of upvote them and so on and so forth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. I've, I've had a, a couple of my friends leave some voicemails on there um the first one that ever got left on mine was a message from my friend bill to my dad uh saying that he should get a medal for not murdering me and my brother because we're unbearable <laughs> so uh yeah if you want to see some of this stuff in action um yeah com slash shine on check it out <laughs>
1: Nice. I love it. I'm going to have to check that out. I haven't You haven't even shared it with me yet. I know. I'll check it out. I know.
0: Um so uh so on this stuff, I mean, how did you how did you come up with this idea and what made you kind of start pursuing it as a company?
1: Sure. So it kind of um I guess just to take a little step back, um, uh, I guess you could call me a serial entrepreneur. Now I, ha- I had another startup, a tech startup that I had before, ran it for about six years and, uh, it was in a totally different industry as it was in healthcare. And, uh, that was, uh, it was a great company. I love the company, love the people, but, um, healthcare is really hard. It's, and uh, to be totally frank, I'm not sure if I have a huge passion for healthcare, Um, one of the, the two other co-founders I have were both, um, doctors, uh, one with a, was a former plastic surgeon and one's an anesthesiologist. And, uh, I, I'm just a designer, (laughs) I'm a product designer. I've done UX design for a long time. And then in the tech world, something called product management did that for a long time and I did product design. So I'm kind of one of these guys you know, who could do a lot of things. So, uh, kind of perfect fit for a startup, uh, which is what I've always kind of liked to do and had a passion to do. So after doing that, I, uh, da- uh, so just to give full context, uh, that company got acquired about two years ago and, um, and then the, uh, the acquiring company kind of worked with them for a little bit uh, as is uh, norm, uh, worked with them for about nine months. And, uh, I think during that time, uh, you know, what, a lot of founders do is, you know, they, they kind of go through this time where they uh, really try to decide if they want to kind of stick stay with the company that uh, acquired you or maybe kind of go do their own thing. And a lot of entrepreneurs kind of do their own thing. So that's, some, you know, that's something I, I was thinking about. And, and in thinking about it, um, one of the big things uh, I was thinking about was what am I passionate about? Uh, so podcast, you know, uh, was on the short list of one of those things. Um, and just, there's kind of a long story there too, because sure. I didn't just go straight into podcast. I actually spent about a year kind of maybe building this, uh, other startup before pod inbox. And, um, uh, I have, a, I, I do have a passion for that as well. Uh, but before totally going in and launching that, I just did one more thought exercise really, pa- what am I really passionate about? <laughs> and that's how I kind of found uh, this idea around pot in box. So what was,
0: what was the answer to that question? But also what was the startup that, that you were, or the idea that you were playing around with before you ended up going with this route?
1: Sure. Um, that idea also, I, I still think it's a good idea and, uh, you know, we built a lot of technology around it and it's not really shut down yet either. Um, it's, uh, it's in real estate. So it was a tool for real estate agents. Um, and it's just a simple tool. It's, uh, it's in this, uh, industry called MarTech marketing technology. So it's just a way for, um, uh, real estate agents to build a website, uh, put all their listings on there, capture leads, email, uh, Uh, send emails to those leads and do some email automation and all that kind of stuff. So super useful. It's actually a very powerful piece of technology for real estate agents. Um, Yeah. It still lives today. Um, But um, you know, when I was thinking, you know, what, what do I want to do for the next five years of my life? uh, It could be that. And and, uh, on some level, it could still be that I I, want to be involved in some way in that project still. But what do I want to do day in and day out, be a founder of, be a CEO of? Uh, and that's when I thought, you know, I really thought, what industry do I really like? What industry is kind of like a growing industry? And I'm a huge sort of believer in podcasts. i uh, been a fan for a long time, but haven't been a podcaster. I've kind of dabbled with the idea of starting a podcast for maybe, I'll, I'll be honest, to my shame, maybe for about three years and kind of failed year after year of launching a podcast uh but still during those years uh, i kind of considered myself like an early adopter of being a listener but just never being a podcaster but um in that journey of like trying to start a co- podcast a couple times uh you know basically just fell in love with the medium even more and maybe even more so kind of fell in love with talking to podcasters so, so that's something i really enjoy uh, and when i thought what, what i want to do for the next five or six years I want to both kind of enjoy the problem space that I'm thinking about day in and day out and enjoy the customers that I'm going to be talking to day in and day out. Um, so, you know, both of those things became really important to me because a lot of times, uh, you know, in, in the entrepreneur world, uh, people talk about founder market fit, right? Um, it's like, do you, are you fit to solve that problem space or think about it day in and day out? Um, yeah, I think real estate. I'm fit to think about that problem a lot, but do I want to sort of really be like a thought leader or talk to podcast like a real estate agents every day? Um, not sure if that answer is yes. <laughs> yep. But when I talk to podcasters, every time I talk to podcasters, almost like a uh, you know conversation that i get out get i get like rejuvenated by and um you know i get a lot out of it so uh the answer to that was yeah resounding yes i do love talking to podcasters i think i could do this for a long time you know for you know five ten years and still have it feel like it's like the first day that's what i'm hoping at least (laughs) yeah what is it called founder fit yeah founder
0: market fit um Have you heard of that? No, but that, as soon as you said it, it resonated right away because I, I had the same thing with the last company I was at. It was a aircraft maintenance tracking software Mm -hmm. company. Mm -hmm. And I am not a aircraft technician. (laughs) I have never been an aircraft technician. Um, And it was, it was my family's company. Uh, but it sold last July and I stayed on for about 10 months, um, (laughs) asking myself the same thing. Okay. I have a a daughter on the way. Uh, I've got about a six month lead time before, uh, (laughs) before she comes. Mm -hmm. Um, and by that time, you know, I got to do what's right for my family. So is this, is this where I want to be? And I, I never felt confident going into those places, talking to the aircraft technicians, uh, directors of maintenance, directors of aviation, almost all of whom were 50, 60, 70 years old. Um, I always, and I was, but I always had imposter syndrome around that big time because it's not an area of expertise. And um Yeah, I never felt like I could really be myself in that industry. And then I went to podcast movement and like you just said, I mean, talking to other people that are doing this, um, it was effortless. I literally, I shook your hand and we talked for maybe 10 minutes straight. And then I saw you at that party thing and we talked for another 10 minutes and it was like... There was no pulling teeth. It was just, it was just easy, man. And I, I've never thought of it in that way, but yeah, that is, that's, and it's like a resounding yes.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah. And you feel it right away, right? Like you're like, oh, this feels right. And, you know, maybe that's, you know, another testament to podcast industry. Uh, I don't know if you found this at at the show, but the community was so welcoming, and hopefully that's representative, you know, the community at large, but, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, podcast movement was where we launched and, uh, you know, friends and, you know, you know, various colleagues, uh, asked me, Hey, what, do, what are you excited about, uh, going into this launch and going into the conference? And what do, what are you worried about? And one of the things I was worried about is like, not even one of the things it was probably the biggest thing because, you know, I've been building product for a long time, you know, ha- have some confidence around, you know, that the product works and, you know, looks okay and all that stuff. But I was like, am I going to be accepted by the community? Because, uh, you know, you sometimes you walk into other communities and sometimes it's they're just skeptical. Like they don't want to try any new things. Um, there's a couple other tools maybe and they're like, you know, why do you need to exist and, and that kind of thing. So battling like an industry that might not be very accepting or very closed off to newcomers or new entrants. That was probably w- one of my biggest fears. Uh, but yeah, that got alleviated real quick uh, just by all the great conversations I had, uh, you know, at the booth and, you know, just even socially. Uh, people were very welcoming. Um, hopefully that means, you know, they like Pod box, but <laughs> even if it doesn't, it's just, uh, it just seems like there's just great welcoming people in the industry, so... Yeah, something I'm pretty excited about um, diving into more and like going more to these events and just connecting with people more. Agreed. I definitely got the most out of
0: talking to people and those connections, even more than the the classes and the lessons and things like that. Those were those were really helpful. But yeah, talking to everybody was really amazing how open everybody was to just helping in some way. Um, like, oh yeah, I've been doing this for three years, seven years, 15 years. Like I do this thing and we have this group where we, we meet and we discuss some of these different aspects of podcasting. Like you should join this group. Like I'd be happy to kind of see what you're doing and help you out, especially because I had started my company like the week before I went to podcast movement. So I was I was very much in a similar boat and part of it too of like one of the ways that I cope with some of that is that I go to these places and I'm like, well, I don't even care if they accept me. Like I'm just going to see what everyone's <laughs> yeah. doing and then I'll mm-hmm. figure out the better way. And then once I was there and actually like met a bunch of people and see how this industry is moving, I'm like... Oh, I got to leave that shit behind. That is that is going to be the kiss of death if I bring this in. And uh, do you think some of your hesitation around that came from um just in the nature of the industry being in healthcare where everything's so regulated, it's so controlled by such a, a like a small amount of big players? Um you know, do you think that's part of it?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um didn't really think about it before, but if I'm thinking about it now, um yeah I think you're yeah it's not a fast moving industry there are a lot of regulations, and I think the thing we were tackling in that industry was just it was a very hard problem to solve and um when you're trying to solve a very hard problem uh in in an industry that maybe feels like there's not a great solution they're gonna they're not gonna look kindly at an ups. Start. <laughs> they're gonna you know be very skeptical that the solution that you provide is um you know it's gonna work i think um so maybe that's where it came from um yeah i really had to dig back in my brain because it was you know it was you know probably the first year you know where it, it, it we did a similar thing we went to a conference and then we talked to you know some sort of maybe more complex healthcare systems in, in year one. And, you know, uh, you know, it wasn't all bad, but there, there were some, uh, sort of skepticism is, is this going to, um, you know, cross all the T's and dot all the I's and, uh, w- with, everything they need. Um, yeah, we were kind of a critical piece in, um, in, in healthcare systems, managing their doctors and nurses, so it had to kind of be a little bit bulletproof. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, I don't know if all healthcare is like that, but at least with our tool, you know, it definitely gives me, you know, sort of a little bit nightmares of what we went through in in the very early stages of like trying to convince people. Yeah, this actually works. Um, so obviously pot and box is not as maybe mission critical or it's more of a fun tool, right? Um, so yeah. maybe that's why we're maybe a little bit more accepted. <laughs> sure. Well, Hey, if you don't mind, uh,
0: mind reliving some of the trauma, cause I'm kind of curious as to, um, because it sounds like what you were selling is, is very, like very different on its surface, but very similar kind of challenges that, I was going through at the last place um what was that problem that you were trying to solve and then you know what what did you guys do differently um that you brought to the market that you know that you used as a selling point um that got people you know in the door to start using you
1: Sure, so um, maybe not to get too much in the weeds, but uh, just the elevator pitch for that um, problem or, or the company is, the company is called Silver Sheet. And basically healthcare systems or any kind of healthcare facility, when they hire doctors or when they use uh, doctors and nurses, they have to do what's called credential, these healthcare providers. Credentialing meaning, um is this person qualified to work here? Uh, So when you're kind of dealing with, like, the qualifications and the credentials of doctors and nurses, it's or any kind of healthcare provider for that matter, um, you know, it's very strict, right? They have to, you know, check off a a huge checklist of uh, things that they've done to really... um, um, qualify this provider. So, in using our software, you know, we kind of our what our software does is it tells um, uh, the healthcare facility uh, the checklist of things they have to they have to do, and they have to log in our system. And at the end, they're either kind of green or red to work. <laughs> and if any of those credentials expire, we kind of have to um, bubble that up and kind of let them. Hey, you know this. This provider really can't work right now anymore because things have expired or they haven't um you know submitted some of these forms or whatnot. So in that sense, um yeah, it's kind of kind of you know, high risk type thing. Like we, we really can't mess up too much. Yeah. Or else, uh, if like a provider is like, you know, providing some kind of healthcare service and something goes wrong with the patient, then if they look back at our software was wrong, then you know, you know, some, something uh you know, that, that complication or that bug or, you know, uh, whatever went wrong with our system could really cost a, a lot of money. Um, but if you solve it for them, you know, uh, that, that was where the big opportunity is, right? Like it could save them a lot of money or it could save them a lot of time doing all this uh, kind of tedious credentialing work. Um, yeah, I don't know if that. Answer your question, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the nature of what we did.
0: Got it. Okay. So wh- where were some of those big challenges that you ran into in the the you know that first year you said it was kind of like a nightmare dealing with that. Did it come from, you know, just the nature of going to these like large organizations and all of a sudden you have like scope creep in terms of the products uh like features and functionalities and security measures and and all that, or where, where did the real, where were some of those real headaches that came from that?
1: Sure. I mean, um, you know, some of the real headaches was like, uh, you know, to be totally frank, like none of, uh, us in the founding team were experts in what it took to, um, uh, you know, do the credentialing. So we had to become experts. So that's one, one of the first things we had to do. So we had to learn, a ton about the in- industry and um, uh, become subject matter experts ourselves, even as we're getting people onto our board who were already experts, um, you know, as a product designer, you know, that's kind of my job to kind of learn everything in their head and then uh, create a technology around it. Right? Yeah. So uh, and when, you know, the, the thing, you know, like we always uh, said, the thing that we were trying to, there were other software solutions But the thing we were trying to um, really sort of disrupt were all these filing cabinets (laughs) that every facility uh, had because most were still on paper. Uh, There's just kind of distrust a little bit of uh, software systems. So a lot of, you know, mainly the uh, small to medium-sized healthcare facilities still were running on paper. So, um, yeah, so kind of distilling um, like a very manual Process uh, into something tech enabled. Uh, That was that was a huge challenge because um, it really took a lot of understanding what they're trying to do, what the regulations are, and then making up a system to solve it. And uh, and, you know, and maybe it was good uh, because, like I said, there were some other software competitors. And earlier said you asked uh, what kind of differentiated us. It was maybe that we you know, maybe we had a different point of view of the world of how this problem solved is because we didn't come from that world. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. we didn't have years of credentialing experience uh, that, that led us to create something that totally mimicked paper. Uh, You know, we were kind of able to see it from fresh eyes and saying, wait, what are they trying to achieve? You know, oh, all they're trying to achieve is like, um, you know, uh, doing the workflow of making sure this person is who they say they are. There's all these different sources that we could kind of um, uh, query to uh, to to confirm that that they are that, and then giving them a workflow to kind of manage that on a on a yearly basis. Like, it, you know, we started looking probably a little bit different than the competitors uh, in ease of use and all that stuff.
0: Dude, it it's crazy. I didn't know this backstory, but the same exact challenges that you were going through there. I was going through at the last company that I was at. So we were the um, definitely not the incumbent generally with maintenance tracking. It is very paper based and it does a lot come from a fear of being out of compliance with the mm-hmm. FAA regulations, because if you mess any of that up and there's an issue with the aircraft And like, God forbid something happens, those technicians can go to jail for like, Mm -hmm. you know, like endangering people's lives um, Mm -hmm. if the records are faulty and something happens. So, um, yeah, it was really going in, trying to learn their processes. And, yeah, I guess tech enabled would be the right way to look at it of, I know you guys do it this way, but here's where your paper process is bottlenecking here 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 and here and if you just use this tool it's actually a single workflow through the problem and then it deposits in all the places that you mm-hmm. need it to that you used to have to print and sign mm-hmm. and go from there um yeah so i uh i, <laughs> I can empathize i can definitely <laughs> yeah. empathize man that's
1: funny yeah yeah yeah, I mean they're important systems, but when your brain is thinking about these very heavy problems for like six years, wow, you know it's kind of kind of stressful. Actually, <laughs> it kind of takes a toll on you. But yeah, yeah, very
0: little room for error. Very little room for error, and also, um, especially on the sales side and and even the marketing side too, and really product development is you you also have very little room for error because you get that kind of one shot to get the conversation going with that person, um, you know, to get, you know, the system possibly implemented. It's going to be a big change for them internally. So you really got to, you got to nail some of this stuff right on the (laughs) first try, you know? (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In the industry, there's something called the minimum viable product. And uh, yeah, for something like this, the minimum product is pretty big. (laughs) yes yes definitely
0: so you uh so you got out of that about two years
1: ago Yeah, it's been about almost two years now yeah i think we're just coming up on it
0: Mm -hmm. okay
1: so now you started pod
0: inbox you've been working on this i think you said what five six months something like that
1: Yeah. About five months. Um, you know, there's some overlap with the other project the other project, uh, you know, admittedly I was working on longer because that technology was, you know, once again, I, I, I went from a very complex technology and then I thought I was, you know, the next thing I was going to do in real estate was, I thought it was going to be a simpler technology, but I think my brain was just wired to maybe solve complex problems or something. (laughs) So I just designed and, you know, we built another very complex piece of technology. That's when I kind of uh, took, took a step back and really kind of made an assessment. is Do I enjoy this? You know, do I want to get into another very complex piece of technology? And, um, you know, I think there's still something there with the other thing that I'm working on. Um, but, you know, maybe, you know, that's it's not me who leads it, right? Maybe there's another co-founder that could lead that. Um, so for myself, I just think, uh, you know, with pod inbox, I really thought, uh, not that pod inbox is not complex. We're definitely, as we'll get into uh, maybe in this discussion, it's going to become a lot more complex, but I think just not as heavy. Like, uh, the other things that I worked on before was just very heavy, (laughs) heavy in technology and heavy in understanding how it works. And one of the things I kind of love about pod inbox was, um, Uh, And, you know, I talked about founder market fit. A lot of product people talk about product market fit. Uh, I'm not sure. I think you probably heard of that before. It's just when, you know, right when you tell someone about the product, they understand it right away. And then their kind of willingness to buy is, you know, pretty evident because they have that problem or they have that aspiration, whatever it is, you know, there's very little sort of explaining what this thing does <laughs> it's already kind of there so mm-hmm. that's what really kind of attracts me to pot in box like uh you know it's both very light on um the complexity and light on kind of the marketing of it like uh, the understanding of it is is very evident you know, that's what kind of what really draws me to that
0: well and and i agree I haven't heard of that term, but the concept makes sense and it makes sense that it translates over. I'd say you definitely check that box because I walked up to your booth and I understood in less than 30 seconds what you guys did. And I was like, dude, I'm in. So, uh, yeah, like I'm already a customer of this service. It's, it's pretty sweet. And, uh, I mean, I'm pretty excited to see how complex you get in this, and uh, kind of cool to be along for the ride early on. But just based on where it's at now, after five months of development, how nice it looks, and just like the the thought out nature of the like the the way the system works. Um, I'm pretty pumped to see how you scale this and do all that. I'm not just blowing smoke Mm. Mm. because I've, I've dealt with a lot of different softwares and like, you know, there's a lot of shitty design out there and it's really (laughs) not intuitive. Um, And so this, this was cool. And so if you're, I I'd like to talk about some of this creator economy stuff and you know, really where you plan on going with the company Even if it's high level and we uh I don't know, we just see where this goes. But yeah, I definitely want to learn more about what you're what you're planning on doing with that.
1: Sure, yeah. Um, I guess maybe the first place to start is like, what is the creator economy? And um I'm still kind of getting to know it. Um uh, but maybe a summary is it's just, you know, currently in this day and age we live in, there's just a lot of people creating content. And these content creators, um, need to start making a living out of, um, maybe not need, but it'd be nice if they started making a living out of the content they create. And, um, especially as more and more, uh, people are not just doing it as a hobby. They're kind of thinking it as a side hustle first. And once they start getting some revenue or, or some kind of traction, then they really start thinking, oh, wow, can I quit my job and start doing this? So, uh, that's kind of what we call the creator economy, that if um, if these creators can start uh, monetizing and kind of making it as their primary source of income, there's a whole economy around creators now. And um, so tools that are kind of supporting the creator economy is um, – helps – basically the exchange of the flow of money from people who can consume that content to, uh, put it in the pockets of uh, people who are creating that content. Um, and I think it, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure of this, but I think it usually, you know, doesn't, it's usually kind of like a direct support from, for, from audience and fans versus, uh, you know, up to now it's, a, it's a lot of, um, you know, advertising was probably the biggest way content creators got their money, whether it's through blogs, display ads on blogs or, or whatnot. I think, uh, you know, today we kind of see that evolving in, into many different other, other streams of income.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, so where do, where does pod inbox kind of plug into that?
1: Sure. So we're, um, we're, you know because we're an audience engagement platform like even you know in, in a lot of uh, in our booth you know a, a lot of our slogans were saying engage your audience uh we kind of consider ourselves an audience engagement platform or a, a tool podcasters could use it to engage their audience so kind of our thought around where the place we are in in, in the creator economy is If fans and audience is engaging with the podcaster on this platform, they might also want to support them there. Um, So we use this term super fan a lot. Uh, And, you know, I'm kind of writing a lot of sorry, uh, sort of educational material around what is a super fan or, or who are these fans that are just not your normal fans, but your fans who are actually engaging with you. And we love the term "superfan." Uh, um, I don't know if you know, know who Pat Flynn is, but he wrote a book called "Superfan," and I really love the idea around "superfan." And um, and you know, the way I describe "superfan" is someone who not just passively listens, because I think a lot of podcasters, probably the majority of the audience, passively listen, and myself too. I, I you know, I think I subscribe to maybe fifty podcasts, and I really don't actively engage in any, with any of them but there are probably several of them that I do engage um you know whether it's on twitter or maybe in comments or something mm. that um I would consider myself a super fan of and uh you know when when I think of that term super fan um you know it usually starts with somehow you're actively engaging with them and uh if the so what we teach is if a podcaster can identify who those people are and they don't have to be a lot of people of your audience it could you know maybe you know 5 to 10% of your audience at least know who those people are so in our platform we're like if people are leaving you audio messages like if you ask your fans to you know leave you a message about something like leave you a question or leave a story or something and those people who do it you know we we, we are kind of teaching podcasters that those are probably your super fans and, um, you know one of the things we say it's like you know even i I even think about my own behavior as a listener uh whenever I do engage with a podcaster um not only am I engaging with them, I'm such a fan that I'm telling my other f- friends about that podcast right so i'm I'm now like an ambassador for that podcast so i'm if I'm doing all these things, you know the barrier to entry if a podcaster asks me to um you know, support some, some monetary donation for them to keep it up and running. There's a high likelihood, you know, based on my behavior of actively engaging that I will also be the person to support, right? So I think that's why we're looking at our platform is like, can we uh, help the podcaster receive monetary donations from their fam- super fans? It's kind of like the perfect... Uh, platform to do it because they're already taking action of doing something and uh, if we give them several more actions to take that might lead to helping uh, podcasters actually monetize from the the platform
0: okay got it yeah so it's 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 starting off by making it a place where people can engage and be active and part of podcasting i think too that is interesting more than any other form of this kind of communication, especially depending on the type of podcast is that for the podcast that I listen to, I kind of feel like I know that person. Like Mm -hmm. if I was to meet them, I would really have to, um, maybe like pump the brakes a little bit because (laughs) I, it would be like, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm not a stalker. I just happen to have listened to you speak about a lot of things for thousands of hours, Um, and so you know, I I feel like it's one of those few mediums where you wouldn't really feel weird about reaching out to somebody and leaving a comment, and you know, kind of hoping to get a response back. Like I would never do that for somebody that's in like movies or something like that, or Mm -hmm. even. You know, really famous musicians. You don't really think of it that way, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting and it's, it's pretty cool. And I'm, I'm hoping that I can kind of build an audience that's using pod inbox, like to get some of that feedback because it's, you can download the files. I can play that on the show. So if people want to use it like traditional voicemail, that's cool. But even my friend that left me that message saying that my, my dad should have like killed my brother and I, when we were uh, younger, Mm -hmm. like my other friends went and listened to it. And in our group (laughs) chat, they were like, Oh, bill is spot on. Like he nailed it. Right. You know? And so it's, it's kind of cool that other people can be involved with that versus just getting to hear that on the show. If it ever gets played, you know?
1: yeah yeah um you know one one of the things we teach obviously is like exactly what you said you download it and you play it on the show and then the fans just kind of freak out and say hey i just heard myself on the show that's like a one great use case but um you know obviously you know i don't know if every podcaster is going to do that to every fan of kind of like promoting them on the show so that's why you know the i think the feature that i i, I like a lot is just the reply feature i you know getting a so in our software in the platform we let uh if a fan leaves a message you could uh reply with a message too so um you know so, something that we teach a lot is you know if you reply like you said like you wouldn't really you know a lot of people feel a little bit sheepish or shy uh maybe like tweeting at a movie star or something like that but For a podcaster, it seems like there's like a lot of opportunity for audience to engage with them. Maybe they're just like, you know, a little bit less, uh, you know, because they're in your ear every day, you just kind of think you could talk back with them, right? So, we think this behavior will be, you know, fairly, you know, low barrier to entry. But if you actually heard back, um, even if you don't hear, you know, your audio clip on the show... If you hear back from the podcaster, it almost feels like, yeah, at that point you do have a relationship with them. So we're kind of excited to see how that plays out. If a lot of podcasters will kind of reply.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I think the cool, I think the cool part about it too is it is a, it is a change in the um, like putting yourself out there aspect of it because I created a pod inbox with my show name on it. It's like, I'm looking for that interaction so it does kind of create a, hmm. a little bit of maybe a safer space to do it where you're not shouting into the void of Twitter or Facebook. And then like, uh, oh, my aunt is going to look at this and I don't want her to know that I like this, uh, you know, anime podcast because she <laughs> makes fun of me or something like that. But I'll go I'll go talk to that person directly because this is, you know, this is like is who I am. This is kind of the community that I like to be a part of, and you can meet other people that way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's uh, maybe like a, a lowering of inhibition. Mm-hmm. You just got to make mm-hmm. sure you guys don't get started uh, regulating by the uh, what is it ATF, <laughs> Alcohol, Tobacco, <laughs> and Firearms. Oh, yeah. A little loosened inhibitions, but um, yeah, man. So, what do you see as the what do you see as the the kind of vehicle to create? Uh, you know, more of a creator economy using something like this. Do you have ideas in mind or uh, is it too early to share and uh, too far ahead of ourselves on this conversation? What do you mean? Uh... So like, how do you see, so right now it's uh you've got it as like a subscription base for the podcasters. How do you see growing this into a way to, uh, you know, monetize for podcasters uh for fans to get you know maybe whether it's exclusive content or whatever it might be to start um you know creating like an economy within the system
1: got it um like what what is the mechanism sure we're playing around with a couple ideas um might be a little too early to share okay but um You know, the, you know, we're inspired by some of the other tools out there. And, you know, one of the big tools in the industry is Patreon. Um, You know, they have this kind of, I don't know what you call it, but a lot of people are kind of familiar with Kickstarter. They have like a kind of a Kickstarter model where it's just like, you know, is it $5 tier or, you know, $10 tier, $15 tier a month. Um, So you know we think that's interesting but there's probably you know some room to uh, be a little bit innovative there um you know i think we kind of look you know we're interviewing people who use uh, patreon and kind of maybe some of their pain points and patreon was kind of built for you know a really broad audience right like maybe they're a blogger or maybe they're an author uh Or, you know, maybe they're just, you know, a musician or a t-shirt creator, you know, it's just any type of creator. But I think because we're really focused in on the podcaster, we could kind of maybe tailor the experience a little bit to them. So maybe that's how we could be a little bit innovative. Uh, But yeah, we're looking at their system uh, where, you know, um, podcasters can, you know, either receive like one-time donations or support, uh, to this kind of recurring support too. So, I mean, a lot of it is going to be talking to podcasters and seeing how they want to receive money because, um, you know, and at the end of the day, we we just might do a bunch of things, sure, <laughs> uh, a bunch of different things. But, um, I think I could say like, we are kind of, you know, we, we think about this term value for value a lot have you heard other podcasters talk about this yep yeah i think it's kind of a trending term in the podcast industry value for value and i like to kind of even expound on that term a little bit uh more by saying give value get value um so you know, I think on our pages, we're kind of thinking of this concept of super fan a lot. And that when you do become a super fan, um, you know, the maybe the podcaster in terms of maybe promotes you a little bit too, right? Uh, whether it's on the page or whether it's on the podcast, that when you do, you know, give value, maybe it's monetary value, then maybe you're getting some value from the podcaster back. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I'm a... You know, I, I am a big believer in like, um, you know, when you create sort of product features or product that it kind of really ties into who your users are. Uh, you know, when, when my my biggest background is a user experience designer, I was, you know, user experience designer for way longer than I care to admit, but um, I think about the users quite deeply and, and, and kind of their unique needs. So, um, you know, some podcasters, you know, uh, I'm never going to say anything bad about Patreon. I think they're a great platform. You know, they're going to be a lot more, um, you know, they're going to have deeper pockets than us, right? They're huge. Uh, But I do wonder if there's some opportunity that some podcasters will be like, oh, Pod Inbox does it a certain way that will maybe fit podcasting a little bit better or this fit, this use case a little bit better. Sure. Um, Yeah. I mean, even on the pricing model, that's another thing that we could innovate on. Right. Like, you know, as a venture backed company that they are, um, you know, I'm not, you know, not to say anything disparaging, but like they have to be a little bit greedy, right. (laughs) They have to get as much uh, sort of uh, maybe, you know, transaction percentage as kind of possible. Just kind of like what this whole thing that's happening with apple right there's kind of been this revolt from apple that everything you know that's sold in the apple store uh you know apple takes 30 percent tax right yeah uh, that just really hurts you know they have a creator economy in their s- ecosystem too right the game creators or the app creators right a- any anyone that has an app on ios has to pay this 30 percent tax and a lot of people think that's not fair but you know, and then I kind of think of, I put myself in the shoes of uh, Apple, the public company. It's like, well, they have to keep growing, right? They have to have this kind of outrageous tax. Um, and that's kind of even how maybe Pod Inbox and this company is a little innovative. It's, you know, my goal is to self fund and bootstrap this company. I don't know if I want to raise venture money for it, uh, which gives me the sort of latitude to not be as greedy, right? Um, you know, maybe we just um do it off a of, you know flat subscription fee, uh, versus like a transaction. So, like, let's say you uh, earn I don't know two hundred dollars a month. You know, uh, I don't know what what the percentage cut from Patreon is, but you know, if it's twenty percent, then that's forty dollars a month that you have to pay. Right? We probably don't need that. We just might need a ten dollar flat fee a month or something for something like that. So yeah, we're playing around with some of these ideas yet. Um, I'm not trying to be cagey. Uh, Half of it is, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, We're still working on it. You know, we think it's probably about like maybe three months ish away. Oh wow. That's,
0: um, that's still pretty fast.
1: And no, I don't view it as, as being
0: cagey on some of this stuff. It's when you're starting these things up, it's you really, you don't know what the answer is until you know. And then once you know, you actually realize a month later that you didn't know when you knew and it's totally (laughs) different, uh, from what you first thought. Um, so yeah, it just keeps rolling and growing, but, um, yeah, I guess I'll I'll announce this publicly, you know, if you need any uh, beta testers for any of that stuff, (laughs) reach out. I'm more than happy to, uh, help with that. And, uh, yeah. Help wherever I can on that. front. I
1: would love that. I'll probably take you up on that. Yeah. We're definitely going to need someone to test some of these new features that, that rollout is going to be a big one um, because that will put us in this other industry. Yeah. Yeah. The creator economy industry. And we want to, you know, have a pretty good launch for that too. Like we kind of see that as a launch in itself because um, then it, you know we're, you know even with the current product we're somewhat of a platform but that one you know is sort of another type of platform we could put be put in another category of things uh which is really exciting for us and to your point we are building really fast you know i almost kind of say 3 months that's kind of a conservative number, actually. <laughs> I think we might get into it even sooner. Um, just with the, our experience level of building products, uh, we, we we build pretty fast. Uh, but you know, we want to make sure we you know m- really button down how it works. We have the documentation. We have you know have a good user experience for doing it. So that's why I want to pad in a little bit more time and just like getting sort of the messaging right and making sure we we tell people in the right way and kind of support them in the right way too um but to your point it's like you never know you you know we'll, we'll probably put out something and we're going to learn a lot uh we're going to learn why it doesn't work why people hate it and you know you know you know the thing about me is i don't have too much of an ego if if people hate it then we're going to change it we're going to figure out how it's going to work best for the community
0: yeah just taking that feedback and and then incorporating and just moving ahead. I mean, it's Mm kind of, kind of what you're, what you're trying to do for podcasters as well. So it's, it's cool that you guys plan to, you know, roll out that same mindset in terms of growing the company. Mm -hmm. But, um, I guess, uh, I guess as we kind of wrap this up, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of want to say, dude, you, you should definitely do a podcast. Like you should try this again. I know that you've got, one that you're planning on doing, but I'm throwing down the gauntlet on this episode.
1: <laughs> you should definitely nice. do it, man. I appreciate that encouragement. Yeah. I mean, I could talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. I don't know if your audience are podcasters, but, um, so, uh, yeah, before the conference. So one, one of the common things from podcasters do, I don't know if you're doing this too, but they say release a trailer because that's, the podcast you use to just kind of get, um, accepted, uh, you know, on all the directories. So yeah, I released a trailer for a podcast, uh, that I'm calling podcast growth hacks. Uh, that's the one you're referring to. And it's only got one, two minute episode of me just introducing what it is. Um, so yeah, I'll take that gauntlet because, yeah, releasing a trailer is probably the easiest thing you could do. Then comes the hard work of actually what you're doing is doing interviews. Of that's what what I plan to do. And um, yeah, it's it's scary because um, it's a lot of work. It's you know, as a listener, it doesn't seem like it's a lot of work, but um, it's a lot of work to put these things together. So, trying to figure out how I'm going to fit that into my life so it's repeatable because. Um, yeah, you know, like you, I just want to make sure I I could tell you're very systematic about it. You know, um, I want to be like that, right. I want to make sure I have that system down before I kind of, you know, tell the world this is going to happen a little bit. So, and if it it makes
0: you feel better, uh, this, the systematic approach is I'm literally learning new pieces of the system and incorporating them within like five minutes of learning about them. And it's, uh. (laughs) It's a little controlled chaos, but (laughs) just just keep keep moving forward.
1: That's great. I mean, I want to keep you in in my um, small group of friends who who are kind of doing it at the same time. Like, I think you're a couple steps ahead of me, but I always love having people who are like just like one or two steps ahead of me, so I could kind of kind of learn and kind of. Uh, have that accountability. So uh, Hell yeah, love, I can't, I can't wait yeah, to see where you bring, bring this to. Are you, is this going to, are you planning to do, to do a weekly? Um, I'm probably going to do it more than that at this, wow. at
0: this pace with just these episodes I'm recording. Uh, I'm, I'm at about one a day, at least one every, uh, yeah, business work day. I really I wanted it. to get a, a bunch of these banked up and then just, releasing and going and uh yeah i wanted to learn as much as possible about doing this deal with as many of the pitfalls that i can um and mess it up on my own podcast before i go and ask uh customers to pay me to do professional podcasts (laughs) for them so um yeah it's been great man It's, it's a huge learning experience but the cool part is um it's it's rapidly expanding and evolving just at this pace because I'm just talking to people that I never knew I would talk to or thought mm-hmm. I would and having gone to podcast movement meeting you uh meeting a bunch of other people that were from there uh i I talked to, I went on Sierra's show um late nice. last week uh gonna do another guy's show they're gonna come on here, so really just <laughs> nice. like talking to as many people as possible and the, like we were saying before the call, I mean, the amount of shit that I'm learning just by having these conversations, I never would have known the ins and outs of seasteading, like building, like, (laughs) like living cities on the ocean. Like that's cool as shit. And just by proxy of doing this, uh, you know, people are, kind of willing to talk to you. And I'm just hoping that when, when I put this out there, it can do a couple of things like for the guests that come on, that it can kind of shed some light on what people are doing, you know, promote your businesses, your shows, things like that. But also uh, hopefully for the, the listeners, it's, Hey, like people are doing it all different kinds of ways. There's not one correct way of like even just fundamentally living your life. And Mm -hmm. if you know, like I can talk to you, you've done all these, you know, different jobs, started up multiple companies. Like that may be exactly what like a 26 year old product designer needs to hear. Cause they're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, this, this guy's like further along in the journey and he was able to turn it into this. Let me not hate my Mm -hmm. life as much. (laughs) Let me not like Mm -hmm. blame everything on my boss. Let me just mm. take a step back and like oh I have a longer runway than I thought I had or mm. there are mm. other options out there than I thought you know that were even present that were invisible to me before I listened to this. So that's what I'm I'm hoping that this can do. And no, then super uh, cool. yeah. I get to get some of these dumb ideas
1: off my mind too. So that's <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. Well, I mean th- You seem like a natural, like quite honestly, it's like, uh, yeah. have a calm demeanor, really curious. I think that's going to go a long way. Sweet. Thanks, man. I appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, yeah. If you need a guest on your show, let me know. I will definitely come on. Um, and since it's podcast growth hacks, I might just be able to tell all your listeners, uh, just 30 things to not do. And (laughs) that might be the most use I can give to them,
1: but, hey, whatever, if I can help, I'll help. Um, I will definitely reach out, yeah. Um, cause, yeah, I think I told you, I might have told you one of the things on the show is like, we we really want to hear from real life podcasters. There's like a lot of kind of gurus out there with like their game plans, but we really want to just hear from people who, and even if they have like 50 people in their audience, like how did you even get there, right? Yeah, dude, I'm there's like- There's someone who started at zero.
0: Yeah. Like They're going to learn yeah, I got these 50 people and I'm doing this and this and I'm sitting there like, Mm -hmm. all right, dude, teach me like, yeah,
1: you know, you can't Mm -hmm. be above it when I don't even have
0: any episodes released.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. Well, the moment you release, you're going to have, I mean, you already have something to teach. I'm sure.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Before we, uh, before we wrap this thing up, um, where can people find you? Where do you want people to check you out? Uh, either social media, definitely podinbox.com. But where where should people go to find you and connect with you?
1: Sure. Uh, for me personally, I mean, I check podinbox too. Um, like I said, we're self-funded and kind of bootstrapped. So I kind of do everything right now uh, with a small team. But um, I do check everything at podinbox on Twitter, uh, Instagram. But if you want to c- connect with me directly directly, It'd be pat at pod inbox.com. that's my email address and uh on twitter it's just pat chung p a t c h e u n g dot com
0: okay hell yeah cool. well thanks for doing this dude and uh yeah we'll be in touch as you as you start to roll some of those things out i would love to help out with that yeah, this thanks. is this is a super cool concept uh and i'm really excited to see where it goes so thanks for doing this man
1: yeah thanks for your support i really appreciate it
0: Oh yeah. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. I really appreciate it and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks.